We've looked at some really interesting questions. If you're a regular, hopefully you found some of them uh, interesting. Maybe you submitted a question. Um, all these questions came from people within the church. Maybe you submitted a question that hasn't been answered yet. Now, we're not going to promise we're going to get through all of them, uh, but next week we're going to do more than one. We're going to do a panel, and it's going to be uh, more than one person on that panel, and we'll do some quicker fire answers to a variety of different questions. So that's next week. But tonight, here's our question. Why me? Why did Jesus choose me and not my friends and relatives? I wonder if you ever thought about that yourself. You're really grateful that you have the opportunity to know God and have a faith, but you think, well, I just love those I really care for to have this same saving faith. And, um, and, and why, why don't they? And so that's the question we're going to be looking at. I want to tell you about a 32-year-old guy who lives in Chichester, now, uh, he grew up in the West Country, and um, God's hand was on his life from a very young age. In fact, he was a surprise child, and his parents saw that as a godsend. And uh, there were moments in his early life uh, where he nearly lost his life. He turned blue once, okay, and his mum saw him blue in the pram and ran him outside and woke him up with the cold air. Kind of, he, She was worried, but he, he lived. And God's hand was on his life. God had placed people in his life from a young age who told him about God's love and told him that Jesus died for him and rose again. And God stirred in his heart from a young age of about five to make a response to say, yes, I choose to accept your love. I choose to be your friend. God continued to place people in his life and stirred his heart to continue to put his trust in him. This Young boy, teenager, went from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. God brought him to life. God's hand was on this child, on this young man, and on this adult. God was incredibly gracious and kind to this man in choosing him, in calling him to follow himself. I want to tell you about a father of three who lives in Chichester, He's married to a beautiful lady who sings well at church sometimes. <laughs> and um, he was a young boy who had a really strong will. So strong that when he had made his own choice to follow Jesus, that he corrected his headmaster at primary school when he was told that God was not real. He made choices based on what he was told, and he asked questions. But it was very much his choice. And so as a five-year-old, he chose to follow Jesus. As a later child, he chose to be baptized. In fact, he was so sure about his choice that he really badgered and pressed the leaders of his church to get baptized quite young because he had chosen to follow Jesus. Through his teen years, like many people, he had challenges of other people choosing to live a different way. And at times he was tempted to join in. But around the age of 14, he made a really significant choice to try and give his whole life to following Jesus. In the years that have followed, there's been choices every day. But he's tried his best to choose to follow Jesus. Two stories, one person. That's my story. God chose me, and yet at different points, I've chosen him as well. I think both are true. 
I humbly would say that God's had his hand on my life. He's been gracious to me and been kind to me. He's helped me from being dead to coming spiritually alive again. He's saved me. But I also recognize there's been some of my choice along the way in that, that I've chosen to accept God's love and to choose to follow Jesus. And so here's the problem we have. God saves people. It's him who saves people. But people choose. In reading and thinking about this question, I came across this phrase, capacity for mystery. Do we have a capacity for mystery? Is there a sense that both can be true? If you want the answer to the question, why me, why not others, then I don't think I'm going to be that helpful tonight. But I hope some of what I share might be helpful for you. When you have a youth-led service, it's an excuse for a game. And so uh, we're going to have a little tug of war, and hopefully this will help us as we think about this question. Now, one team is pre-chosen, and Calvin's on that team, funny enough. I don't think his first name's John, but Calvin is on that team. If you want to come and stand along here. And uh, on this team, I need a volunteer on this team. And a volunteer. Oh, Jacobus. Jacobus, if you can come and stand up. Uh, Commonly known as Jacob. Some of you might know, sometimes he's called Jacobus Arminius. I'll explain those two characters to you if you don't know what I'm talking about already. Um, But on Jacobus's team, uh, we need a couple other people who want to choose for themselves to be on this team. We're going to have four people on each team for a tug of war rope. Who wants to compete in the tug of war? Thank you. Come on up. You have to remind me of your name. Jake. Oh, we've got Jacobus and Jake. That's very good. Very very fitting. Well, actually, I pre-chosen that Ned was going to be, and he's going to be on this team. That was pre-chosen. Okay. Uh, I need need two more on this team who are going to, of their own will, put their hand up and say they want to be. Harry, thank you. Uh, Great. And Josh, you can come and be on this team as well. Um, Thankfully, again, I pre-chosen Tom to come and be part of it. So, Tom, you can come and be part of this team as well. It's, it's great how, so far, they're roughly similar. We could do with one other really strong person who obviously I've pre-chosen. Thank you, Steve, coming up. <laughs> so we have a team over this side that's been pre-chosen, okay? Uh, it, just, it was scripted. They've been pre-chosen. A team that have elected themselves, that have put themselves forward, okay? And uh, very clear, I've got two cones here. Without taking the strain... Um, You can pick up the rope, and I want the front person to come to the black line, please, and to to, um, come forward, otherwise you'll be out the door before we started. Come forward a bit from the... um, Harry, Josh, come forward a bit. Great. Steve, I'll shuffle forward a little bit, otherwise you'll be out out the door. In fact, I might open the door just in case you win, you know. (laughs) We're only going that way, don't worry. We're only going that way, Okay. Now, the result of this, I'm going to claim, hasn't been predetermined, but I'll leave that up to you to decide, okay? Uh, And the first team to get this lovely little rag past the cone. In fact, you're going to find it hard to see where the cone is. So, Rosie and Alice, do you mind just coming and standing on each cone so people can see where you are? If you come this side, then they can fully see. The first team to get the rag, okay, past the cone um, will win. Um, if you're on this, t- this side, I suggest you cheer for this team that, you know, noise is allowed. If you're on this side, you get to choose whichever team you think looks stronger, you can cheer for. And this side, you're going for this team, okay? So noise is welcome. Take the strain. You know, don't know you're trying very hard, Jacobus. <laughs> you may begin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. 
It is starting to move this way. They're nearly there. Is there a comeback? <laughs> They're nearly there. We have a winner. Well done. Um, maybe we'll come back to after. Ned and Josh, can you just stand holding on the rope for me for a minute, just to help illustrate something a little bit? You'll be there, just, yeah, just where you are. You can go near the end, but hold it tense. Um, when you get really tired, you can tell me, but otherwise I'm going to leave you there for a bit. Just, just ho hold, it, hold it tense for us. Because what I want to think about um, tonight, if we have capacity for mystery, that's I won, won, won the game, okay? But, but maybe there's a bit of both that are true. And I want to look at some verses from the Bible that, that show us very clearly that it's, it's God who chooses and draws people to himself. It's him alone. And I also uh, want to confuse you and contradict that a little bit by saying, actually, there's also some evidence that suggests that we're all responsible. There's a sense that we have choice, and I'm going to leave you with that, and you'll tell me if I've been helpful or not at the end. Are you okay there, boys, for a minute? Or are you too tired already? Have a sit down, that's fine. Have a sit down. I think we get the point. Thank you. So, God is the one who saves. God is the one who saves. John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me, this is Jesus talking, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Very clear. As people are coming to commit their lives to Jesus, Jesus recognizes it's Father God who's drawing them to himself. It's him. And so we must hold, we must hold somehow to this view that it's God that draws people to himself. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It was God who predestined, it was God who chose those to be part of his family, chose those who were going to put their faith and their trust in him. What's the way into God's family? It's through faith. It's not through knowledge or what family you're from or how good you are. It's through faith in Jesus. And this points to the fact that it was God who chose that, who knew that before. Still, Ephesians, this time chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved from death to life. I'm not sure if you've ever seen a dead person try to resuscitate themselves. It can't happen. If you're dead, you can't bring yourself back to life. It's God alone that breathes his life. The Bible describes human beings as spiritually dead, as apart from God. And by faith, the gift of faith, we can come alive in Jesus again. It's quite clear this is God's doing. This is God's work from death to life. And Hebrews chapter 12 talks about Jesus being the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. The pioneer, the one who initiates, the one who starts. And so... Clearly, we can make a case that God is the one who saves. He's the one who draws people to himself. He's the one who brings people to life. He's the one that pioneers our faith in him. 
If you look at the story of Israel, who were once enslaved in Egypt, who God graciously called out of Egypt and rescued them. He didn't rescue them because of their track record, because of their great faith, their great knowledge. He rescued them because of his kindness and because of his mercy. And he rescued them not just for their own good, but that through them might come a savior, that they might be a light and a hope to the nations around them. That's their story. We had a Calvin on this side. Some of you might have recognized that name. Sometimes people, when they talk about this side, that it's all about God, talk about a guy called John Calvin, a 17th century French Christian who would have kind of presented some of these views, maybe more strongly than we might as well. If you want to know more about him, I invite you to research him yourself. We're not going to go into loads of depth about him tonight. In fact, some of the understanding about him wasn't actually his initial teaching. It's kind of been developed by some of his ideas. But he would have said things like people had been unconditionally elected, that they didn't really actually have a choice in it, that they were totally deprived, and it was God that brought them from death to life. And we can see glimpses of that in some of the verses that we've looked at. And yet, somehow, I recognize that we all have choice. And we're the ones who choose to follow Jesus. I told my story in two different ways on purpose just to kind of present that a little bit. I can definitely look back in my life and think there were clear moments when with God's help I've decided to follow Jesus. I wonder if you can look back on your story and you might be thinking there's clear moments when God has put people in your life, when God has drawn you to himself, when it's clearly been God initiating but you can also see your responsibility and your choice, whether you're thinking about the Christian faith and you're choosing it's not for you, whether you're, whether you're not really thinking about it, or whether you're a Christian here and you can think of key moments for you when you've chose to follow Jesus. And we get that idea from the Bible as well. In Romans 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I.e., from the creation that we see, we see there's divine power, we see there is a creator, and we're without excuse. We're all responsible. We're all responsible in the choice that we make to believing in God, to following God, to ignoring God. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. His promise that we're talking about here is the promise that Jesus is going to come again. As some understand slowness, instead he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's heart is that everyone comes to know him, that everyone comes to share the faith that we're so keen that those we love and care for will be able to know as well. God's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to turn back to him and to know him. And John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't put a category on whoever, it says whoever, whoever for the whole world, whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So with this question, what do we do? Why, why me? What about other people? Well, these verses seem to point to the fact that God would love, he longs for everyone to be able to know him. 
and enjoy that. Whoever calls on his name will be saved. Everyone has a responsibility to respond to this. Jacobus Arminius, who helpfully was in the building uh, tonight, (laughs) uh, he came a little bit after Calvin, their time overlapped a little bit, but he said some things really on the other end of our tug of war rope. He said, actually, it wasn't about God's choosing at all. It was all about our choice, that we could become unsaved, if you like. We could have said that we'd chosen to follow God, but we could say that that's no longer the case, that things weren't pre-chosen at all. And it's quite hard to kind of hold that view and hold it in tension with some of the other verses we've looked at. And I wouldn't want to kind of endorse all that he said at all, but I would want to say that these verses have said we all have a responsibility. We all have responsibility to choose and that whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Maybe that's helpful, maybe it's not. If I was able to, I'd be holding both ends of the rope, really, and saying, I think the Bible shows it clearly it is God who draws people to himself. It is him who makes people come from being dead to being alive spiritually. But also there's an invitation there for everyone. Do we have a capacity for mystery? Can we hold a bit of both here? This leaves us still with some unanswered questions. Well, why, why me? Why do I have a saving faith in Jesus? Why has God drawn my attention to him? Why has he chosen me? Well, it's not because I deserve it any more than anyone else. It's by his grace and by his kindness. And I don't know why, but I'm grateful. It leaves us with unanswered questions like, well, why not others? And again, I've, I've got to say, I, I don't know. But I know that they also have a responsibility to kind of choose and respond for themselves, and um, my heart is to be able to do my best to make that easier for people by trying to clearly present the good news of Jesus, to pray for those that I love and care for that don't currently know our Lord and Saviour, and to try and model what it likes, what it looks like to be able to know him as well. But I don't know the answer to that question. Why have I prayed for some of my friends and they've come to know Jesus as their Saviour? Why have I prayed for others and they haven't appeared to be interested at all? I can't, I'm not very helpful with that question, but I have a belief that God is the one that draws people to himself and that everyone has a choice. Maybe when we come to uh, think of this question, it might lead us to actually think about ourselves. How do I know that I'm really saved then? How do I know that God's really been the one drawing me to himself? How do I know that my choice is valid and God is the one who's brought me from death to life? Well, I just want to keep it simple here. Some of the words we read earlier says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's not a bigger criteria than that. Um, Some of you might have been here last week. We had a journey service. It was great to have different people sharing uh, their stories of hardship or hope and God's faithfulness and presence with him during that. There was a chance for people to pray, a chance for people to share what they thought God might be saying. And I was reminded of a verse in Philippians chapter one that talked about God bring into completion the work that he's started in a believer. And I think that verse can be really helpful. Sometimes we can be flagging in faith, thinking, oh, am I I really saved? Do I really know Jesus as my saviour? Or if God has birthed faith in you, if you've made a choice to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you that just as Jesus is the pioneer of our faith, he's the perfecter of our faith, the one that goes on helping us to grow, to know him and become more like him, even when we feel like our faith is flagging a little bit. 
And so where does that leave us? Thanks, Andy. Uh, yeah, God is the one that draws us to himself. And yeah, we recognize choice. Where does that leave us? You've just clarified the confusion that we have. We kind of agree, yeah. And what do we do about that? Okay, here's some helpful points that Calvin will pick up on as we worship again shortly. For me, um, personally, that can leave me feeling grateful that God has, my eyes, my story, that God has drawn me to himself, that I've come from a place of not knowing him to knowing him, that he was the one that initiated that. I'm spiritually alive now because of faith in Jesus. Maybe, maybe you could agree with that. Maybe you're here and um, you're not sure about the Christian faith. Maybe even today, God is the one who's drawing you to himself, who wants you to know him. Maybe even this talk is part of him drawing you to himself because he doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to enjoy and know eternal life and forgiveness with him through faith in Jesus. Secondly, um, we can pray honestly. This question that was submitted, I don't know who put it in, but it was probably a raw question. It was probably with, with specific people in mind. And many of us in the room could think of specific people in our lives, in our, with our friends, in our family, that we just long to know the Lord and his saving power. We just long for that. And um, we can pray honestly. We can tell God that that's a bit painful. I want to kind of stir us to pray again for these individuals. And sometimes we can be stuck over here and thinking, well, if, if, God's, if, it, if it's all God's choice and that's, that's already there, then what good is praying? And I love the story of Abraham when um, Sodom, he, God warns him that Sodom's going to be destroyed. And so Abraham says, well, what if I find 50 people that are righteous. Would you, would, you, would you spare the place of Sodom then if I pray that if we find 50 people that are righteous? And God says, oh, okay then. And Abraham plucks up a bit more courage and says, well, what if we find 45? And God says, well, okay then. So is he, is he changing God's mind? God said that Sodom is going to be destroyed. Is he, is he changing God's mind? Sorry if I'm heresy alert there. But is he changing God's mind? Well, what if there's 40? What if there's... 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? And he keeps on going on, pleading with God, pleading with God. And God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to know him. And God says at each stage, yes, if we did find that many, then I would spare the town. I love the story of the persistent widow um, who just keeps on persisting with the judge for what she needs story Jesus tells, just keeps on persisting and persisting and persisting and eventually she gets her way. And um, I believe prayer makes a difference. I don't know why it doesn't always make a difference, but what is our response when we think of those that we love and we care for, that we'd love to know our Lord? I want to kind of call us to pray afresh and stir us to pray afresh and that prayer does make a difference. And finally, um, we can do our bit of sharing the gospel Everyone is responsible in how they respond to it, but it would be more helpful and more clear for them if we told them the good news that many of us know and enjoy, that we can find life in our saviour, Jesus, who died on a cross and rose again and is coming again to judge, judge everyone. We can help them with that. Paul in Romans 10 talks about how, how can people call on the one they've never heard of? And how can they put their belief in someone they've never heard of? And how can they believe if no one's been sent? And so maybe when we think of this, and particularly we think of those that we love and we care for, 
it can be a fresh stirring to, Lord, give me the opportunity and the courage to share my faith myself with them. Calvin and the band, you want to join me again? So we've had a hard question tonight. Why me? Why did Jesus choose me and not my friends and relatives? I could start where I ended. I can't entirely tell you the answer to that. But I can say that the Bible points to the fact that God is the one that draws people to himself. He's known that from the beginning, that he's the one that brings people from death to life. And we can also hold the view that he, he longs for everyone to come to know him, that every individual's responsible for their own choice in response to God. And so where does that leave us? We can be grateful and we can enjoy knowing our God who's drawn us to himself. Maybe he's even drawing you to himself today. We can pray for those that we love and that we care for with a fresh confidence that prayer can and does make a difference. And we can take on our responsibility, our joy, to share with those that we love and care for the good news about Jesus who longs to save. Amen.